When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Welcome in, everyone. This is Red Sox Beat here on CLNSRadio.com. If you've been listening to us for the past month or so since we've gotten started, we appreciate it. I am joined by uh, guest host today, Jess Thomas, from the fellow fellow member of the Red Sox Beat team here on CLNS Radio as well. Nate could not join us today last minute, so we got to fill in. He's going to do a great job. I'm sure he knows his baseball. We are going to be joined by Ben Shapiro of Mass Live and the Huffington Post in just a minute. Before we do, I just want to remind you guys to go on to Stitcher or iTunes and, of course, our own website, but specifically on Stitcher and iTunes to search CLNS, and you'll find all of our great post-game shows, podcast coverage of all the four major sports here in Boston and NASCAR and other great stuff as well. And we just appreciate all the support you can get, so if you guys can go on there and keep doing that and keep helping us get our name out there, that'd be great. That being said... Ben Shapiro now is with us again, MassLive.com. Huffington Post, his Twitter handle is at Red Sox Monster. I believe that's right. If that's. Yep. If that is what I remember. And uh, Ben, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Not too bad. Uh, a lot of baseball to talk about, of course, the World Series to get to. Before we get to the World Series, the hot topic that is, there's been reports or rumors, whatever you want to word it, about Bryce Harper potentially being a Red Sox. Now, a lot of people will would question whether or not he would want to come here or whether the Nationals would give him up. But do you think Ben Sherrington would consider Bryce Harper, even should consider Bryce Harper? Ben Sherrington would definitely consider Bryce Harper. He definitely should consider Bryce Harper. But that being said, to me, this is sort of a, a, I don't know, sort of the way I think some fans and some some writers are sort of replacing uh, Giancarlo Stanton. They need a big name to sort of, hover around, and I feel as if Harper is that guy. I don't see him being traded. But, of course, if, if there is some real uh, a real valid interest in moving him out of Washington, then, yeah, of course Ben Sherrington's going gonna to entertain uh, a trade offer for him. Yeah, we don't really know, of course, that there's no really significant meaningless meaningfulness to those reports, but it's definitely something that we've seen out there in the rumor mill. Obviously, nothing's going to really partake too much until obviously the World Series is over and we get closer to the winter meetings. But other Red Sox situations, Bryce Harper is a long shot, of course, but Yuenis Cespedes is, is, is on the team. He's got one year left on his contract. Now, there, obviously, we saw him not completely say he would want to stay in Boston. He wants to potentially test the free agent market after this year. What do you think the Red Sox should do in terms of, do you think they should trade him, try to trade him this winter and maybe use him to get some starting pitching? Do you think they have to use trade him, or what, what do you think they should do with Cespedes? Well, they clearly have a log jam in the outfield, and I'm not sure whether he's quite as, uh, I'm not sure if you read the, the column in New York Daily News today that claimed that a lot of the Red Sox managers and coaches uh, really disliked him. I'm not yep. sure how valid that is. But the simple fact of the matter is, is that he probably is going to head, head to free agency. He's got one year left on his contract. He's a, uh, a marketable player, and he plays a position that the Red Sox have a surplus in. So he will definitely be on the trading block. And the determining factor about whether or not he's ultimately dealt is basically whether or not uh, Ben Sherrington and his team feel like they can get uh, – 
value for him because in their minds they've they've assessed the fact that they've got a guy that is uh, maybe not the the greatest uh, fielder as far as judging the ball off the bat, but definitely one of the better arms in the game. They've got a guy that might not be the best on-base guy in the league, but certainly a guy that can make a difference as far as as power hitting goes, and, and the team certainly needs that that home run power as well. So they've got a valuable commodity here, and the question is, can they get fair value in exchange for him? And uh, if they can, I do think that they would be very open to moving him. I, I think that uh, they know the clock is ticking on his value. The, the, the closer he gets to next off season, the less value he will have. Any t- if he's traded before the season starts. That means the team that uh, acquires him can then, well, actually, no, with Suspedes, I'm sorry, I correct myself here, they can't make him a qualifying offer. So there's no nope. there's no sort of draft pick compensation on the horizon for Suspedes, no matter where he ends up. So I do think that the Red Sox see him as a, a, a commodity with a declining value. The closer you get to the end of next season, the less value he's going to have on the trade market. I think... In my opinion, the way I see it is Cespedes is most likely would, will not be here through even the postseason next year. I think that, obviously, like you said, the closer you get to next offseason, you're really not going to have a chance to keep him around. And like you said, his value will diminish. I think that if he does start, start here opening day, you might not see him past the trade deadline. also depends on how willing they are to really just go for it next year in terms of a World Series. For me, I don't think it's a big deal to get, let him go because, like you said, you're log jammed it outfield you still have Mookie Betts out there and you just signed Ruzne Castillo so you have players to mess with out there what do you think you can get for Cespedes do you think that potentially the Phillies are interested in him for Cole Hamels where do you think Cespedes could potentially end up if not in a Red Sox uniform next year I don't think he starts the season as a Red Sox I think the Red Sox have too many outfielders and they're going to want to have some semblance of order in that outfield uh, when they get to spring training. Obviously, they're not going to narrow it down to just three, but they've got so many options. They they need to have sort of a, a general idea of who they think could or should start and a general idea of who could or should be on, coming off the bench and who might just be better off back in the minors. Suspedes obviously is not going to be in the minors, and he's not going to come off the bench. Uh, you're just that That makes no sense. So I don't see him starting the season in a Red Sox uniform. I think he gets dealt. Uh, there are a number of different teams where he could end up. I think uh, the Mets have already been listed as one possibility, and I think that that makes a fair amount of sense. Um, Cespedes has prodigious power where even in a spacious city field, he's going to be able to get the ball over the fence. They need offense, period. Uh, they have a surplus of very, very, very talented Young starting pitchers, it would take more than Cespedes to pry away any of the big-name young starters on the Mets, like a Harvey or a Wheeler or a Syndergaard or a DeGrom or even a Nice, but they're going to, uh, he could be part of a larger deal that could net the Red Sox a player of that, a pitcher of that caliber. I think that makes sense. I, I, I agree with you, Ben. I don't think he's going to be here come opening day. I just don't think it makes sense. Even with the hiring of his former hitting coach, Chili Davis, I just don't believe that is going to be enough to keep him. Now, with Cespedes in the sense of, okay, if you think he's going to be gone and you, you get some starting pitching from there, if that is the deal you go down, what do you do you feel that pitching's the biggest need this offseason for the Red Sox? Absolutely. There's just no, there's no question about it. You can uh, look at every other aspect of the team and sort of piece together some semblance of, of, a, of a potential starter. But when it comes to the starting rotation, it is really uh, uh, the cupboard is pretty bare right now, right? You've got Buckholz, who I think most uh, the fans and, and the organization have a right to be skeptical of his ability to, get, to put together anything, uh, you know, resembling a full season of consistent uh, solid performances. You've got Joe Kelly, who does look like a guy that, that could be dependable, but certainly is still a guy with a limited resume. And then you've got a, guy, a lot of young guys that have yet to really prove themselves to be able to go in, go out there every five days and put together a consistent good outing. I mean, we've seen flashes from Brandon Workman, Ruby De La Rosa, Alan Webster, uh, and, and, and several others, but we have not seen any of them put together 
the kind of performances that would lead you to believe that, yes, this guy can be counted on to go out every five days over the course of a 162-game season and, and be consistently solid. With the pitching, obviously the big issue, out of all the rumors we've heard between the James Shields, the Cole Hamill situation, what do you think is the most likely situation going into next season as the 1-2 in the Sox rotation? I think if the Red Sox had their brothers, they would love to get Hamels. But I also think that uh, Ruben Amaro has consistently overvalued his players. I mean, there is a reason that all those uh, big contracts are still sitting there in Philadelphia. It's not that general managers haven't called about guys like Cliff Lee or, or Jonathan Papelbon or even Cole Hamels. It's that when they do call, the demands are simply too high because not only is the team going to have to take on whatever contract uh, is attached to those guys, which and, and they're all very large, but they're also now going to be expected to give up a fair amount in, in less expensive, younger talent, and most teams don't want to do that. So I think if the Red Sox, ideally, they'd love to get their hands on Hamels because if they could get Lester for, you know, by a free agency for what Hamels is signed for, basically four years, $90 million, they would. But I think at this point, they've resigned themselves to the fact that Lester is going to be out there looking for five or more years uh, with a similar or higher annual rate than what Hamels is getting. And I just don't see the Red Sox honing up six years, $150 million, or even five years, 125 for John Lester at this point. But they might get yeah. Hamels for four and 90. Like I said, Amaro is tough to deal with. You could also look at a team like the Cincinnati Reds, where they could be entertaining. They have a situation there where they've already got a, a, a large contract attached to Homer Bailey. The Red Sox are not going to be interested in taking that off their hands. But you've got Johnny Johnny Cueto there, who's one of the best starters in the National League, who is, uh, I'm not going to say he's readily available, but I think for the right offer, he might be able to be pried away from them. And he's someone the Red Sox certainly have interest in. So, uh, you know, those are some scenarios right there. I know everyone uh, sort of talking James Shields, but I, I really feel like the more you watch Shields, the less I see him as a viable big money option. If he's the second best starter they acquire over the off season, and they can get him for maybe three years, then that's something I could see happening. But if he's out there demanding four or five years and, you know, 18 to $22 million a year, I cannot see the Red Sox uh, giving him that kind of money. Yeah, it's definitely going to come down, obviously, to money with the Red Sox. And like you said, Lester is going to ask for probably the extra five years and somewhere $120, million, and it's just not going to happen realistically because they already didn't pay him once. So what, what, I don't, anyone would, wouldn't really believe that they're going to come out of nowhere and just kind of go against what they believed before the trade deadline and really come and pay him now. I just don't think it's going to happen. There's a lot of things going on in this offseason once the World Series is over, for sure. It's definitely a lot to keep our eyes on. That being said, with the World Series, Giants up 3-2, Game 6, Tuesday night. Baumgartner, though, for the Giants has been ridiculous this postseason. He's pitched 47 innings with only six earned runs, only giving up three homers, 41 strikeouts, and his postseason ERA this year is 1.14, with his two starts in the World Series giving an ERA of .93. What is it, Ben, that is that is making Baumgartner so good this postseason? Well, I mean, it's not like he's coming out of nowhere. This is a guy that put together a Cy Young caliber Regular season, of course, he's overshadowed by uh, the seasons that Wainwright and Kershaw and Cueto all put together as well. But Baumgartner uh, is uh, an ace on almost every staff in baseball, and the only reason he wasn't lauded as an ace going into this year in San Francisco is because they had Matt Kane there. But Kane, of course, goes down with an injury, and Baumgartner steps in and becomes the ace that uh, a lot of people felt he was anyways. He's only 25 years old. And uh, he's a big, hard-throwing righty that's got swing and miss stuff. And look, uh, this Royals team, you have to remember, uh, you know, we can talk about how well they've played in the postseason, but this is not an offensive juggernaut. They don't work counts very well. They don't draw a lot of walks. So they really rely on manufacturing runs, and they have to get hit to do so. And Bumgarner is just not a very hittable guy. I mean, if you think about it, he gave up, he's given up three home runs and six earned runs that means basically unless you can get solid contact and hit the ball out of the ballpark, he's pretty tough to score on. And the Royals hit less home runs this season than any other team in baseball. They only hit 95 during the regular season. 
So it's not unusual for them to have sort of a uh, a streak of, of low power outage games, and that's what we're seeing right now. And Bumgarner is sort of the perfect guy to feast on that. Giants going into game six, one game, one game away. Jake Peavy is allotted to be the starter to close out this World Series. We know how good Baumgartner is. We've seen it. Can Jake Peavy be that guy and close out his his second World Series in two years? I, I actually, it's funny. I predicted Giants in six, so I'm going to say uh, yes, he can. Because <laughs> Just I not to go against not, yourself. Well, I think I, I do. You know, Bochy has not announced anything yet, but I, look, Baumgartner will be. If he's not starting, he will be available uh, in Game Seven. And what that means to me is that uh, that automatically sort of shortens up the the amount of uh, bullpen he's going to use in ga- or expands his bullpen options for Game Six. So now all of a sudden, maybe instead of uh, Hudson starting Game Seven, Hudson becomes a possible a possible bullpen guy in Game Six if needed, and then they can go right to Pettit if. Uh, if Baumgartner is gassed at some point during Game 7. But I, I don't think it gets to Game 7. I think this is where the postseason, postseason experience of the Giants shines through. I know it's a road game, but this Giants team is pretty battle-tested. And uh, I think there's a lot of pressure on Kansas City. I look for the Giants to, to come out, score early, get a lead, and, and Kansas City is going to start to get a little desperate. And I don't think they're going to win the game on Tuesday. Yeah, I think you said the experience really helps in the play of Pablo Sandoval so far in the postseason in this World Series. Him and Hunter Pence both are hitting him way above 300 this postseason and this World Series. And I think that those two alone, plus having Buster Posey calling the game for PV, I kind of have to agree with you. The Giants are going to take this one. All right, Ben, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. Look forward to talking to you again. Of course, that is Ben Shapiro of MassLive.com as well as the Huffington Post. You can find him on Twitter again at Red Sox Monster. Good guy, knows his baseball, knows his stuff. Now, one thing before we want to keep going, I just want to remind you, I'm with fellow Red Sox beat writer Jess Thomas this week, not with Nate Rollins. Nate could not make it this week, so we're happy to be joined by another writer who knows his baseball just as well. Jess, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm glad to be on the show today. This is exciting. I'm looking forward to talking baseball. Glad to get some fresh voices on the show as well, getting kind of stale with me and Nick around. We like our content, but it's nice to get some fresh voices in here every once in a while. He talked about Cespedes, that being Ben, of course, and I don't. I know what I would do, Jess, but I want to know, would you trade Cespedes? Do you think they can get the value for him if they waited or if they stayed put and did it now in the winter? Do you think this team trades Cespedes? Well, I think they do trade Cespedes at some point. Not sure if it would be the beginning of the season, because like he said, you definitely want to get something good for him, because he is a really good player, numbers-wise. Not numbers-wise, you know, in the clubhouse, I was surprised about the reports I saw that he is not well-liked by coaches. I don't know how much truth there is to that, but it is being reported. So that's definitely an issue if, if he's not getting along with, with the team, and he doesn't speak English anyway, so it might be a little difficult for for there to be communication, I'm not sure how all the Japanese pitchers do it, but <laughs> they do. They do seem to <laughs> to communicate. So I think it is. I think it is a communication issue. If, if he doesn't like the coaches or they don't like him, he might not be willing to take their advice on on certain things, like how he plays the outfield. I mean, I don't. I'm I'm just sitting here talking about it. I don't know exactly what's happening there in the clubhouse. But if he is a problem in the clubhouse and they can get something good for him and they already have a lot of outfielders, I do think they should definitely consider trading him at some point as long as they get something good. See, that, that report's been puzzling to me, too, Jess. I, I can't fathom him being disliked so quickly. He's not – I can't see him being that guy. One, you can't you – can, he barely understands what people are saying enough to respond. I don't think anybody who translates for him is going to say something that he doesn't want him to get out. Like, there's a mediator in between. So I don't think – I can't, I can't fathom that report being completely true. Now, if it is, you're right. They need to deal him as fast as possible while his value is still high. I think that you need to trade him, but I think they need to be careful when they trade him. If they go after some pitching, you've got to be careful that somebody doesn't milk him for more prospects, too, because some, a lot of these pitchers out there aren't worth Cespedes and, like, two prospects, especially the ones that Ben mentioned on the Mets. Now, it might be right where you do... Cespedes and a couple prospects if you go after Cole Hamels, which I believe is like the Red Sox main priority. I think it's to go get Hamels because they want that lefty still and they're not going to go after Lester because of his high price tag. And I think there's a little bit of pride involved. I don't think they want to pay 
Lester because they already said they wouldn't pay him. So I don't think they want to go back on their word. I think both parties have really already moved on. I think Cespedes would get dealt eventually. I think the Red Sox just have to be smart about it. At first, I thought he might not get dealt because of the whole, well, now Chili Davis is, is back with him, and that's a good they had a good relationship, and Chili Davis knows how to get the best out of him. Plus, Ruznay Castillo, a fellow Cuban, being with him, and that's another great bond. I thought that might help, but I don't know if that really is a big factor anymore. Jess, do you think Chili Davis has anything to do with him staying if he stays? I think that definitely would 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 mean something since he was his hitting coach for a couple of years. I mean, yeah, like you just said, having Castillo and having Davis, this really seemed like the perfect place for for Cespedes until these random reports come out. And I agree with you. It is a little bit hard to believe considering that he has everything translated. How could, how could you even, yeah, he's only been here for three months, four months. I don't, yeah. I honestly don't get how it's fucked, <laughs> but I do think that Davis would be a good, a very good help to him if he does stay. I mean, personally, I do want him to stay. I enjoy watching him play. I think he'll just get better. But if, if the situation's not right and, Unhappy with each other, then yeah, there's no reason to keep them. Yeah, there, I, I think if it's if it's true, then you got to deal them as fast as possible. But I just really, again, I have a hard time believing that Cespedes seems like he wants to play baseball. Like, he doesn't seem like he can be that much of a, a pain in the butt to deal with. I just think that eventually they will deal him just because of his value and the the more likely scenario that he just isn't going to resign next off season, and that's a big hole to fill when you don't get if you don't get anything for him and you don't get a draft pick for him as well because of the whole situation when they got him and just and the semantics of that but so I think their best bet is to trade him for some pitching and use what they have in Mookie Betts and obviously Castillo and then they have Alan Craig as well but you also have Daniel Nava and Victorino coming off his injury so I think you're out and you're so logged in in the outfield that you're okay if you trade Cespedes because you still have the bats of you still have the bats of Mike Napoli, David Ortiz uh, Victorino, when he's healthy, you're going to have Rusnay Castillo's power hopefully leading off the order. So I think you're going to be okay if you deal him there, as long as you get something of good value in return. Now, the Red Sox' biggest need is pitching. Now, Jess, I've talked about this at length with Nate, and we've, it's been going around forever now. How much of this James Shields talk, do you, do you buy into the hype of James Shields being an ace, or do you take this postseason and uh, realistically his last postseason, is just postseason numbers in general, and say, Red Sox to stay away from him because it, if people want big game James, it, it doesn't seem like they're going to get him anymore. And if the, is it the Red Sox price tag might be too high if they really extend to what people think he's worth. Is it worth going after James Shields if you're Ben Sherrington? Definitely not. To be honest with you, even before this, these playoffs happened, I've never really been a big fan of him. That might have been partly because he was on Tampa Bay and you know us Red Sox fans aren't supposed to like other teams in the division. But... I never thought he was like an excellent pitcher. He doesn't seem to have much intensity. He doesn't. He's not a very fiery guy. Not that you have to be to be an ace or a good pitcher, but he just he doesn't seem to have that extra piece that makes him really good. His numbers are always pretty good, but not great. He has bad games, and then yeah, he just comes out in these playoffs and just has stinkers of games. And I don't think that's what the Red Sox are looking for. And the fact that he's a right-handed pitcher, you definitely want to good, get a good lefty, get a good lefty pitcher like like Lester or Hamels, not not Shields. I just I've never been a huge fan of him, and this postseason is just taking me all the way down on him. I just don't don't see it as a good thing. No, I I agree in the sense that he's not the best postseason pitcher. I've been having this argument with a bunch of people that I do believe he can still be an ace of his staff. Um, obviously he has been of Kansas City, but that's more been out of necessity. I think the Red Sox could get away with having him as an ace if they really didn't want to pay for pitching. I think they need to pay for pitching. I think that's the biggest hole they have to fill now. Um, but they, I, I think that he's a grinder, and I think he, that's one thing you definitely want to have on your, your staff. And we obviously don't want to forget Joe Kelly, who's going to be back next year, and he's a young guy. I think he's a, that was a good pickup in that trade as well, coming back from the Cardinals. You're going to have Joe Kelly. You're going to have Buckholz still you potentially could go get Justin Masterson back. He's going to be available as well. So it's there's a bunch of options for minor additions to the two, three, four, and so on spots in rotation. But you got to find that ace top of the staff guy. I'm okay with it being Shields. I know his numbers kind of contradict my argument, but obviously I would rather them go get Hamels or or anyone else really who has 
potentially either throws with their left hand because that's been the best part of what we need so far or just has proven themselves in the postseason. Obviously, guys like Baumgartner aren't going anywhere, but, if, man, what it would be like to have Baumgartner on the Red Sox, that would be fantastic. <laughs> but um, we can we can all uh, pray every night, and maybe that will come true. Maybe that will be my sign that God is actually real because that is just that would be a miracle from heaven if Baumgartner ever pitched for the Red Sox. But I think the Red Sox definitely have a bunch of moves to consider outfield Pitching, definitely a big thing. Now, I want to just get quickly get your opinion on this, Jess, we'll move on to other stuff. But I brought it up with Ben, and I want to get your opinion on it. How much of these reports or rumors out there of the Bryce Harbor situation do you think are actually legitimate? Because I, personally, I'm buying stock into it because I want to. I'm, a, I'm being a fanboy. I've been geeking out the last couple of days thinking about Bryce Harper being in the outfield at Fenway Park, and I just can't stop thinking about it. I want it bad. But do you think there's any chance? I mean, I don't, but I still want it to happen. And I still am hoping that somehow it happens. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any truth to it. And I'm completely opposite on you on this. Actually, I don't want him on the Red Sox. I've always thought he's overrated. I don't like his attitude. And, I mean, there's no doubt he's going to get better. I'm sure he'll be a really good player. But I just don't know if I want that with the Red Sox. And the fact that it's probably not very likely just makes me not really care about it, to be honest. I just don't. Hey, don't for, don't forget, Jess, he's only 22. He is really, that's what I'm saying. He is going to get better. There's no <laughs> question about that. He will get better. But I just, he's not somebody I see in the Red Sox, and I don't think I don't think you'd want to give up as much as they'd probably want for him. Yeah, you have to think if you if you did go down that road, it'd be a Bogart's gone. It'd be a Henry Owens gone. It, it might not be worth it. But you always like to picture it. Um, I think the whole not fitting in thing. I think the only issue would be him potentially not fitting in in terms of his attitude, but I think having Ortiz and Pedroia around could help that. Yeah, I agree. I think, well, yeah, I'm, I'd be okay with it if it happened. I would, I would be excited because he is a good player. I'm just not, I'm not hoping for it, and I'm not really putting much stock into it, but I wouldn't be sad, that's for sure. I, I, I'd accept it. It's just not something I necessarily want to happen or see happening. It wouldn't surprise me if you if it did happen. A lot, a lot of not just calling you out here, Jess, but a lot of these people saying, "Eh, it wouldn't work. Don't do it." As soon as the day it happened, everyone would be jumping on my side. Oh my God, it's the best thing ever. They're going to win the World Series. Yep. Because that's how most bandwagon fans are. Yeah, you're totally right about that. <laughs> and you're you're going to see that if that happened. You day one, you'd go, "Oh my God, it was the best decision ever." Same thing in terms of potentially. No, this is my cheesy transition to the next topic. If Joe Madden came here to manage the Red Sox, <laughs> if. They, they say they were to get rid of John Farrell and bring in Joe Madden. Oh, it's the best idea ever. Joe Madden's great. But that would, those would be the haters now who are saying, oh, you don't want that idiocity here. You don't want Joe Madden here. That's, that'd be a stupid decision. John Farrell just won a World Series. It would be the same thing. Yeah, totally would. That being said, Jess, Joe Madden just kind of bailed out of his contract because he wants to win and he wants to be a free agent and really choose where he wants to manage. Potentially, the rumors were out there that Dodgers were interested or – he would want to go to the Dodgers. That'd be a lot of pressure. If you go to the Dodgers, you got to win, or you're screwed. It's World Series or nothing at that point. With that money being spent out there in that roster, it's World Series or bust. If you're a new manager or any manager, but it seems like they're sticking with their guy. Uh, Mets are a possibility. Phillies potentially were considering it. A lot of these rumors, but all these teams come out and said we're standing by our guys. We're not interested in Joe Madden. Where does that leave Joe Madden then? Because realistically, it's the Cubs, right? Yeah, it definitely. And they're the most talked about team for him. But here's the way I see it. I don't think any team who currently has a manager should just just toss their manager out the window and say, Let's bring Joe Madden in. I don't think that's I don't think that's fair personally. Like if the Red Sox just said, Yeah, fairly you can go somewhere else, we're gonna bring Joe Madden in. That's not cool. I just don't agree with that and that's what people want teams to do, because Joe Madden's just the greatest thing ever and Get, just get ready your guy for him. So I think he should go to a team that doesn't have a manager. Or I think I think some teams, if maybe go over the last couple of years and if their manager hasn't been very good, maybe consider it. But if your manager's done anything remotely in the last couple of years, I wouldn't do that because a manager is not the most important hundred hundred percent best thing. The best thing is to have best the best players. And I don't think it's worth just getting rid of your manager strictly because he's this great manager. Yeah, I, we, I, I can't disagree with all the facts out there saying that 
potentially he's one of the top five managers in baseball. I can agree with that. He's a great manager. He's probably one of the best at doing something with nothing, hence all these raised teams that have been successful. They've had really nothing, but they've brought the best out of those young players who step up at the right time. That being said, I'm on the same boat as don't fire John Farrell. As much as I think that he really still needs to prove himself because his overall record has been a losing record, and even in Toronto he couldn't do it with a team that was supposed to do well. And then last year he almost backed into a world, he pretty much backed into a World Series, so I still think John Farrell needs to prove himself as a manager. But that being said, this year he kind of got screwed with all the injuries and the, the team basically being what they should have been last year, only worse because of the injuries. Because last year again everything fell in the right place. They didn't have the greatest players, but they got the World Series anyway. Now, with that being said, I don't say I don't fire John Farrell. I would be intrigued by the idea of John managing, Madden managing this Red Sox team, but. You don't fire a manager to do it unless you really have been bad for the last 10 years and you need a change. Because, But the Red Sox will win a World Series, so at that point, that's a pass. Regardless of how easy it was for John Farrell or how much he backed into it, he still won, he still won your World Series. He still brought those guys together. So that deserves a pass for this year and then may, potentially after next year, who knows, depending on how next season goes. But I still love, I like Joe Madden as a manager, his antics – as much as us in the media and fans kind of sometimes disengage from it, his players love to play for him, and his players love that loose end type guy in the locker room. I don't know if you, you've know I'm assuming you've noticed it too, Jess, but it just seems like whoever plays for him really gets behind him regardless. Yeah, I think he's a really good manager. He he, really, he seems to have a lot of fun. He's a very different kind of guy. You see all these random things. He's bringing in people in costumes to loosen the team up. He's, he's done all kinds of different things to try to make his team happy and excited and I think it definitely works and they always are a pretty good team and you can definitely partially give him the credit there you obviously have to have good players but I think as a general rule of thumb you should at least give your manager five years to prove themselves like Farrell it's been two years you gotta you gotta give your manager more time so I would say if a team did get mad and, and they're looking to get rid of the manager to get him they should at least have five mediocre seasons or bad seasons before they should shop their manager. I don't think you should just, after one or two years, even three, just say, all right, enough of you, new guy. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a, ba- a bad idea. It's it's as much as you would potentially, even if the Red Sox were interested, we all know that the Red Sox were, he was one of the finalists when they went and hired Francona years ago when Sherrington was, when, uh, not Sherrington, when Theo Epstein was in charge over here. And that's potentially why he's also been leaked towards the Cubs job because him and Theo have a good relationship. And he almost basically, he could have been the manager of the Red Sox 10 years ago, but they hired Francona because he had more experience. And they just, the only thing they had to say, negative to say at the time of Madden was the fact that he wasn't, didn't have any managerial experience. And that's why he wasn't managing the Red Sox. And they obviously won the, won the, won the World Series and all that stuff. And now he has his experience. So now potentially Theo and the Cubs are a good fit. Why would you want to go to the Cubs when they're so bad and he wants to win a World Series, do you think it's, I mean, this personally, I think it's this reason. I think it's because he wants to be that guy who leads the Cubs to a World Series. He wants to be remembered. And if he does that with Theo, he's going to be remembered like T- like Tito has been here. He saw what Tito did with the Red Sox, and he wants that. Yeah, I totally think that that would be the only reason if he went to the Cubs. But once again, they'd be getting rid of a very new manager, Rick Renteria, I believe. And he's barely yep. He's barely even been there. So once again, they'd be shopping someone out the door with not much, not much experience with the team to bring in another guy. And yeah, I mean, it's not at the moment, it's not a good team. So I think that would just kind of be another example of that. So I think the only reason that he or them would do that is to be yeah, that that special guy that won the last, first championship in 110 years. You know. <laughs> Yeah, you have to think, for me, for me, wherever he goes with this contract is probably going to be the place he can stay so he's retired because, oh, honestly, I thought he'd be the raised manager for a long time. I didn't think he was going anywhere. I was kind of surprised by it. I was but too. then once he once – he, I think we all were. I think the whole baseball world was. But then once we kind of sat down and took it all in, we kind of understood why teams digressing. They've really been getting rid of all their talent. They don't seem like they're trending towards winning. Even last year in the postseason, the Red Sox took care of them. I think – he saw it as a chance to really be a hot commodity and wants it wants to find a new home and a permanent home. And I think if he does choose the Cubs, he will be there until he retires. I think if he go wherever he goes now, there's not many managerial openings right now. Like the Diamondbacks have been filled, um, and other, the other openings that I can't think of off the top of my head right now. The Rangers, but Rangers have been filled. Yeah, right. the people they've been filled. Yeah. So the cup, the Cubs, 
are the most likely situation because of Theo and just the idea of going to the Cubs for him is probably the best idea because there's going to be no pressure there. But if he does win, holy crap. Yeah. No kidding. It's it. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I don't think he'd also don't think he'd survive as well in a market like Boston because he wouldn't be able to deal with the scrutiny. He's not that kind of guy, and anything he does would be questioned. Like we always questioned what he did with the Rays, all of his decisions to bring people into the locker room to, and do different things with his team. Everyone up here called him a loony, called yeah. him crazy. Yeah. But down there, everyone loves him. There's no pressure. Everyone just goes, "Oh, look, Joe Madden doing his thing again." Like it's one of those things. So I think. He he definitely wants to go to a smaller market. I mean, obviously Chicago is a bigger market, but there's no pressure on him to win for the Cubs because it's the Cubs. They lose. (laughs) They don't win. They don't win. And obviously that was us talking like ten years ago. We don't win either, but now we do, and the Cubs still don't. And that's why he he wants to go to a team like that. If he went to the Dodgers, he would have been screwed because he probably wouldn't have won, and he wouldn't have been able to. He might have been able to win, but I don't know if he would have. And then he would have been probably been fired right away because he would have been loser get killed in that sense, from the media and the fans. So a lot of pressure on him. I think he, I think the Cubs are the best fit because of the type of manager he is. Definitely an intriguing storyline to follow, though, because I'm so intrigued by how it goes and so intrigued by where he decides to go. I think overall it's going to – I think it might be the Cubs. I think ultimately they're going to bail and they're going to cave on having Joe Madden out there on their lap and on their doorstep. And I think potentially – Theo's probably already been on the phone with him, too. I really think that Theo's kind of texting him on the side and – trying to see his interest and where he's where his head's at but i definitely think he'll be in baseball next year i think some team will cave if it's not the cubs i think somebody will cave and take him because it's hard to pass up on a manager like that as much as we're discretioning the side of we don't really believe in bailing on a manager i think some team is going to do it just in the sense of pr and getting a good solid manager in there who they know is a good manager and not some young guy with no experience i think they will too i think somebody will definitely cave but it, i don't not that they should do that but I, th- I don't think he'd fit in a lot of places, like you said, the the high pressure, you know, tight organizations that don't don't let you do as many things. He, I don't think he'd fit into probably half the teams in the league. So it's really got to be the right fit. Yeah, it definitely has to be the right fit, and I'm intrigued to see what they do. Me too. It's gonna be crazy. I think it's gonna be a crazy offseason. The whole AL East because there's a bunch of people up on contracts. The Red Sox are obviously gonna drive our interest. So. Winter's not going anywhere, and we're def- we're, we're going to be here all winter, once a week, maybe twice a week. We don't know yet, but we're going to be here all winter for you guys, so don't even worry about that. We'll keep you up to date on all the news, plus all of our written content will still be there for you on CLNS, so definitely check that out all winter long, during throughout the winter meetings, all that stuff, but there's still baseball playing. World Series is finishing up. Game 6 is Tuesday night. If you're listening to this later in the week, you know what happened. We don't yet, so good for you. You're in the future, but... <laughs> Downside of being a podcast, we can't really preview games early in the week. They're going to hear it later in the week. But we got game six going up Tuesday here. Jake Peavy on the mound. We saw Baumgartner pitch one heck of a game the other night. Five-nothing shutout win. Great game by him. His postseason ERA in this year is now 1.14. World Series ERA again is .93. We talked about this with Ben, of course, who joined us earlier from Mass Live in the Huffington Post. Again, thank you, Ben, for coming on. Baumgartner has been amazing this whole postseason. He's been like he's like Ben said, he's had a great year. He's been shadowed by the other NL starters, but now you got to go down a step. You lost Kane, obviously, as the Giants, but now you have PV going, and you have Tim Hudson. Can the Giants or will the Giants win this World Series? And do you think Jess? I'm going to ask you now. Do you think former Red Sox, now Giant Jake PV, can win his second World Series in two years by pitching himself into it? I actually. After hearing what you guys said earlier, I disagree. I think that Kansas City is going to win on Tuesday, and I think I think PV will pitch pretty well, but not well enough. And I think it will be another close game, maybe a three-two, two-one, four-three, something like that. But I think I think Kansas City will squeak it out, and the home crowd is going to be crazy. They're not going to want to go down in six games, so I think they're going to... game six. And really, if I want to. If I want to make a prediction, I'm not a huge fan of making predictions, but I think Kansas, neither am I. But I think Kansas City's going to take Game Seven and win it. I think they're going to win the next two. It's that's and that's that's exactly what happened in 1985 too, as well, Jess. Oh yeah, you're right. That is what happened. Yeah. So, so I think that I think it's just destiny year. I think we need a new a new team as a champion. Tired of the Giants winning it. They won two out of four. <laughs> I I like them. I like a lot of their players. I I have trouble. I've been having trouble watching the World Series just because I do pretty much like both teams. But just going by a historical perspective, I would just love for 
a team that hasn't even been in the playoffs in 29 years to actually win the World Series and to come back from a 3-2 deficit. I think they just had the greatest story. I've thoroughly enjoyed them in the playoffs. I like them in the regular season. I'm just a big fan. So I don't know if my prediction is the fan of me picking them to win or, <laughs> or if it's that they'll actually win. But they have good pitching, and I think being home is definitely important. I think they're going to pull it out. You're on the side of most of the United States of America. Yeah, exactly. Because there was a, there was a poll done even on, on ESPN and, and all that stuff, and there was a poll most of the country won was rooting for the Royals to win. I think, like you, most people are sick of the Giants to win. In my, in my New England fanboy type of sense, I want them to win only to keep Tom Brady happy. Because he's a Giants <laughs> fan. Uh, we need to keep him as happy as possible going into the stretch of the season. But that's not baseball, so we'll get away from that. <laughs> we, I, want, I think the Giants are going to win. I think it's going to be in the seventh game because I think PB's going to get screwed like he's getting screwed all year. He's going to pitch well and then not get that run support. I think that's what's going to happen. I think it's going to be like his Red Sox pitching days. And, like, granted, he hasn't gotten too much run support with the Giants since he got over there, but I think being in the NL has helped him. But I think you're going to be going to an AL ballpark. You're not going to be facing a pitcher. You're going to get a DH back. And I think that PV's going to pitch well, like you said, but not well enough to get past and maybe a little lack of run support from his team. But then I think I think what's going to get them in Game 7 and what's going to help them beat the Royals in Game 7 is – the fact that, yes, you do have Tim Hudson going, who is phenomenal, and I think he deserves, the career he's had, he deserves to shut out a Game 7. But the fact that you can have Baumgartner come out of the bullpen if he has to. And mm-hmm. if you if you have Baumgartner come out of that bullpen with it being a close game or potentially having a lead after Tim, Tim Hudson's done, I think Baumgartner will shut them down and almost finish that game for them. And you might see Baumgartner finish that game in the ninth inning for the Giants because at that point, there's no hold back. I think after... Couple of days rest. Baumgartner will be good. I think Baumgartner is the story, if need be, to finish out that game and what rifle so that would be if he won. So I think Giants in seven for sure, because the combination of Tim Hudson and Baumgartner is just lethal to me. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. And Baumgartner finishing the, the World Series would be really cool. I, I would enjoy that because he's been a fantastic pitcher. Really enjoyed watching him. But I could totally see that happening too. I really I thought about it for a while of which team I thought would win Game Seven. But I'm gonna stick with my Kansas City pick. But I would not be at all surprised if what you said happens. Yeah, I would love for it to happen. I also would love for it to happen because obviously with him on the team last year, I'm a big Jake Peavy fan. I have been his whole most of his career anyway. But he bought a duck boat last year. I know I've read something that he was looking into the price of what a San Francisco cable car would cost <laughs> to buy a cable car to bring back to his home farm because apparently he's been side note on the jake peavy tandem here he's been rent he has kids and stuff come to his farm and has like duck boat tours around his property and like goes into the river and stuff on his property he's using the duck boat to bring kids around his property it's really cool um you can google it and read the full story on it but it's definitely he's using that duck boat to good use he's definitely using it he's not it's not just a trophy it's not sitting in his yard rusting it's actually being used he painted it Red Sox with the Red Sox logo and the Boston Strong logo with the Red the World Series trophy and some of the faces of his teammates. They did a good job. It took them like a couple weeks to get it done. It's a great painting. I, I'm, I saw it online, so you can Google it and find the picture of it. It's great. He killed it with that. But I'm definitely rooting for PV because I love the guy. His intensity is insane. I I would love to see JPV get two in a row after the after the career he's had. And can you imagine just him getting two World Series in a row? On his own, if he won Game Six on his own arm after not winning one his entire career, I know. And the fact that he got traded, that he would have gotten, if that happens, he would have gotten traded to the eventual World Series champion in the middle of the season, both years. What are the odds? That's crazy. Yeah, that, I didn't even think of that. That's crazy too. What are the odds of that happening? You know. So yeah, you go you go from really bad teams. Last year it was the White Sox to us. This year it was us to the Giants. And you do a full circle. You now and now he's playing for one of his former managers in Bruce Bochy. A full circle back to that, and he. Is about to, potentially could win another World Series in two years after playing a half a season for both. Uh, he's played a full season one, for between both contenders two and, that's the, <laughs> and two ones into on two World Series. I think that's crazy. It is crazy. Um, I'm definitely intrigued by that. Um, I, I do think though. I think the Giants pull it out in seven. I think this. Team, I just think that the experience of Posey and Sandoval and and the Giants being there already and Bruce Bochy is definitely, in my opinion, a better manager than Yost. And I just think that. Those things alone really, I think the experience outweighs everything in Game 7. I think the emotion can only do you so much. And I think Game 7, that pressure, I think the Royals 
might come out too a little too high energy would be the problem in Game 7 if the Royals had one, and I think that's the big problem. Plus, like, like Ben said, the Royals aren't that much of a great hitting team. They haven't been all season, so when you put it together, you, you have a team who hasn't been struggling, and then you have decent pitching. You've got to think that that trend's going to come together at some point, and a lot of people were calling for the Royals to sweep the World Series. I didn't think that was going to happen because the Giants are just too good of a team. But the managers are definitely this, another story here. Yost at the beginning of the playoffs were being, was being called for his head by some of the fans and the media for making stupid decisions and putting people in certain places. I think he's done a masterful job to get his team to the World Series, especially where they were expected to be at the beginning of the year. Obviously, Bruce Bochy's potentially going to be a Hall of Famer when he's done. But can just just real quick, because you're picking the Royals to win, what do you think Yost has done successfully, really, to just get his team here and really get them all to play together? He seems like a really calm guy. He seems to just have a really good control of it. He doesn't get, he doesn't, he kind of reminds me of Brad Stevens. That's <laughs> funny. <It's laughs> old basketball here. He's just, I, I like it. I like yeah, it. Yeah, he just, he just seems like a calm guy. And he just, his players just agree with what he does. And he's got a fun, exciting team. And I think he just kind of steps back and lets them roll. And it's worked really well. And yeah, he's gotten criticized and, and questioned throughout. But I think he's a pretty good manager. And, found himself in a really good situation here. I think Bochy's a better manager, but the better manager doesn't always win, so that is true. You got to play the game, right? You can't the managers do not play. They don't. And that's a big that's a big thing. Um I want I want to get your opinion too. This isn't World Series. I'm going off the tandem here at the end of this episode, but it's kind of a big topic to talk about. The Dodgers obviously we said always pressure to win. What do you think is going on with Clayton Kershaw? Because a lot of us think, okay, it's great. He hasn't pitched well in the postseason at all. And now you got to start worrying about him. Do you give him another pass and give him one more year, or do you think there's really start to concern for them in the Dodger in Dodgerland and Magic Johnson world for the issues that Clayton Kershaw presents in the postseason? Well, I think you do got to give him another chance, just because he is so good in the regular season. But it, it's so it is concerning. It's really weird how it happened. All the, both these years is just falling apart at the worst possible time. Maybe maybe he's like James Shields in my opinion, and just doesn't have that killer instinct and doesn't have the, like the we got to win this game. I got to pitch the best game of my life, kind of like Madison Bumgarner yesterday. Like you got to, you got to win this game. And I don't think he has that that mentality. He's just kind of a goofy guy who just pitches really well all the time, except these two random times, two or three random times. So I think you definitely got to give him a chance. He's still young, but it's definitely concerning. And if yeah, if he does this one or two more times, it's going to kind of turn into why is this guy? Why is he really as good as we think he is? Why does he keep? blowing it in the end and not winning so I think that I think you give him another pass but be wary about it yeah you definitely gotta worry about it and one thing I, I almost forgot about this and I don't know how I could have and I want to bring it up before we get off here um what triggered it was you said something about him being young and that just I don't know what I think that's what triggered it but uh, obviously if you guys by now probably have heard the Cardinals outfielder Oscar Tavares uh passed away he was in a car accident in the Dominican Republic with his girlfriend. He was the young prospect, had a great year. He's been phenomenal. He was phenomenal for the Cardinals this year. He hit that game-tying home run in the NLCS against the Giants not too long ago. And he, uh, please confirmed as well as his agent, that him and his girlfriend, his girlfriend was 18, according to reports. Her name was Liston, Di- Liston Diaro. He was 22, which is scary to think because I'm 22, and that's just weird. Um, but he is no longer with us. He passed away, and... We have to. I have to say, just my condolences to the family, all of us here in the baseball community at the CLNS family as well. Just got our condolences out to the family. Uh, the Cardinals statement was was out saying we are all stunned and deeply saddened by the tragic loss of one of the youngest members of the Cardinals family. This is Cardinals chairman Bill uh, Dewitt Jr. Oscar was an amazing talent with a bright future who was taken from us well before his time. Our thoughts and prayers are with his family and friends tonight. Uh, a bunch of people have come out and made statements as well as the man, um, as managers, uh, GMs, players, everyone out in the baseball community. Bud Selig made a statement as well. But I just want to say it's, it's definitely sick and saddening to see that he happened to, had to die. It's way too soon for him. He had a great career ahead of him, a great life. He was a, he was going to be great for the Cardinals organization. And I think, Jess, it's definitely a sad day for the baseball world, despite the World Series going on. Yeah, it was really strange timing, too, to happen right in the middle of the biggest game of the World Series to this point. Very, very strange that it happened then. And yeah, it's always, it's always sad when something like that happens. Like you said, you're 22, I'm 23. You know, he's 20, he's younger than me. It's just, it's, yeah, it's hard to believe. And he's, yeah, he had so much ahead of him, and he was such a 
highly touted prospect, and it just goes to show you that. Well, maybe it goes to show you that we shouldn't drive cars. So many, so many car crashes. <laughs> Not to make a joke or anything. It's just like so many car crashes happen, and it's just it's always the worst and. It's the kind of it's not like a disease or anything. It's just you're you're driving perfectly fine, and then the next second you crash, and there you go. It's just always so disappointing when it happens, especially when it's when it's bad when anyone happens when it happens to anyone. But when it's somebody like that who's made an impact on people watching sports who were so excited to see what he had to offer, and he just had some exciting moments just a couple week or two ago. Yeah, in the in the playoffs, it's just so strange and. It's really bad that it, that it has to be true, but unfortunately it is. So, what can you do? Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, I can't do much. Just kind of pray for his family, and and just rem- know that the baseball community is in mourning as well as obviously with the World Series going on. But so yeah, it's definitely tough to swallow that one. But he, he was. It's definitely going to be missed. It's a bright young star, future of baseball. Had only could go up really from where he was. He was being successful, and he had, he his the sky was his limit because he was going to be a very successful baseball player. No reports saying he was a terrible person either. He seemed to be a great guy in the locker room. No, none of his teammates really didn't get along with him. So definitely a tough loss for the baseball community, and as well as his family. I'm sure his family's in a wreck right now with all that situation, as well as the girlfriend's family too. Um, don't want to overshadow her passing away either because she was eight. She was only 18, so that's just definitely. Definitely even younger and tough to swallow as well. But either way, hate to end on a sorrow note, but but definitely felt the need I needed to bring that up as well in terms of us being a baseball podcast and definitely wanted to pay our respects to him and the baseball community, the Cardinals organization, and as well as the family as well. But on that note, fans, before we get out of here, I just want to remind you, again, just you can go on to CLNS on Twitter and Stitcher and, of course, check out all of our content on our website. But go on to there to both search all of our stuff on there, this podcast as well as Patriots Beat does a great job, Celtics Beat. Um, we are soon potentially getting a Bruins Beat in the work, as, as what I've been heard. Don't take quote me on that one, but you never know what's going to happen with that as well. And all of our Bruins contents out there as well as post-game shows. So definitely go out there and search us and share and review. And hate to throw that in after the sad note, but I definitely wanted to make sure everyone gets out there and spreads our word. That being said, I want, again, I want to thank Ben Shapiro joining us this week. Again, his Twitter is Red Sox Monster. He writes for Mass Live and Huffington Post. Great stuff from there. I want to thank you, Jess, for coming on, uh, filling in for Nate as well. You did a great job. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. You guys have done a really good job with it. You did a good job starting the show, and it's been successful so far. So I'm happy to be able to participate in this, this uh, episode. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely we'll have you back on, get you into a rotation here. Yeah, uh, absolutely. have plenty of Red Sox writers to go around on the Red Sox beat team we definitely can get other people involved um especially with the offseason coming on get other people's takes as well as other stuff moving forward but until next week here on red sox beat this time next week we will have a world series winner potentially tomorrow night we can have a world series winner so that being said enjoy the rest of the world series enjoy potentially the giants or kansas city royals winning that world championship either way it's going to be a good finish towards the end and then after that world series fun kicks uh, offseason stuff kicks in excuse me But again, until then, have a good week, everyone. Enjoy the rest of the World Series, and we'll talk to you next week.